Hello, boxing fans around the world. Thank you for joining us once again for another episode of Talking Fight, where we feature Christian from the Friday Night Panel, who's going to tell us about what he's learned about the boxing and the Olympics coming up this July in Tokyo. What have you learned, Christian? Uh, well, Graham, we start today with some sad news, unfortunately. Boxing Federation of India's executive director, R.K. Sachetti, has died on Tuesday morning after battling COVID-19, and he was uh, wow. just 56 years of age. The long-serving administrator was fighting the infection at a hospital in New Delhi for the past few days and was on ventilator support. The Boxing Federation of India has said in a statement, is with a deep sense of sorrow and grief, we inform you that Mr. R.K. Sachetti, the executive director of the Boxing Federation of India, has left for the heavenly abode uh, this morning, creating a huge void in the sports world. He has been a member of the IOC Olympic Task Force and a naval administrator with an unparalleled contribution to the flag of India sports. It added that India's Olympic Associations, uh, sorry, India's Olympic Association as Secretary General Rajiv Mehta said in a statement, I'm deeply saddened to hear about the sudden demise of India's Olympic Association Associate Joint Secretary, a Boxing Federation Executive Director and dear friend, Sri Raj Kumar Sachetti. Sachetti first became Boxing Federation of India's Executive Director in 2016 and retained that position after incumbent President AJ Singh was reelected in the Federation elections held just earlier this year. Mehta continued, his contribution to the Olympics and the Commonwealth movement in India will be fondly remembered. Last year, Sachetti was invited by the International Olympic Committee's experts group to uh, advise on formulation of rules for Olympic qualifiers. Reactions have been pouring around in from around boxing fraternity as various athletes and officials have mourned the loss, including tweets uh, from just about every member of India's Olympic team. So yet another blow for India's Olympic uh, side when it comes to boxing here. And I think it's pretty safe to say at this point with everything that's been going on with uh, the Indian team that whatever their Olympics were going to look like, Prior to you know, prior to COVID, even with the rescheduled Olympics, we're not going to be seeing the best of what we might have seen out of India, and I think it's going to be 2024 before we see in Paris before we start seeing India come back as a bit of a powerhouse here. But as always, like you know, thoughts and prayers for uh, the Sachetti family, and uh, you know, all our you know the best luck to uh, Team India, and hopefully that they're able to uh, move on through this like everything else that they're going through, Graham. I hope that's not the only news you have. That's pretty no, sad. No, that is sad. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's not great news. Um, but uh, on the on the hometown front, Graham, one of our locals, uh, Mississauga boxer John Michael Bianco, is considering making the jump from the amateurs to pros if uh, his Olympic dreams are dashed due to COVID nineteen. So after winning, uh, you know, a number of uh, events in uh, actually one large tournament back in 2019, Bianco joined Canada's national boxing team and began working towards competing at the Olympics. Now, Bianco was set to compete at the qualifying tournament in Argentina back in March of 2020. But as we know, that was canceled when everything was put on hold due to the pandemic. Training through the pandemic has been difficult for Bianco as his gym, along with everybody else's here in the city, uh, was forced to close. However, he was able to come up with some creative ways to keep working on his skills through that time. He says, 
when the pandemic first started, my coach and I were training in a parking lot because all of the gyms were closed. Now we were doing that for most of the summer months. And my training mainly consisted of that, plus a lot of running. Now, in September, when things began to open up again, and it appeared that we were on the verge of returning to normal, Bianco was Bianco was able to get back into a more structured training routine, albeit briefly, saying, in the fall, I was able to get back for a somewhat regular conditioning program for a few weeks. However, a second wave of the virus meant that gyms were once again forced to close. Now, we know this here in the city. Some athletes, including Bianco, were uh, able to get their hands on special permission to continue training, but they still needed a facility to allow them to do so. Um, he says that, you know, with all the restrictions in place, it's been really tough to get into any gym. So back in February, Bianco went to uh, Montreal along with the other members of the national team for a training camp that was intended to help prepare for the Olympic qualifiers, the now canceled qualifiers. However, just four days into the two-week camp, one of the athletes did test positive for COVID-19. And everything was shut down and everyone was sent home. Now, despite this, Bianco continued training and preparing for the tournament, which was, as we know, scheduled for May in Argentina. I guess now this month in Argentina. In late April, again, as we all know at this point, it was announced that this qualifier was, was off. <clears throat> now, as opposed to the first time, though, which offered a hope for a future event, this time, nothing. We, As we know, there's nothing to, to replace this event. And Bianco says, it really sucked because it's an entire year spent training for this moment that doesn't even end up happening. It takes time away from other things, family, friends, other jobs. I've had to put my career on the back burner. I've been off work since December in order to focus on training full time for the qualifier. So to hear the news that for a second time it was canceled was devastating. However, while most qualifying events have been canceled, the International Olympic Committee still intends to have the Games this summer, as we know. And that's without qualifying events. Another metric is going to have to be used to determine who gets to compete for those for those berths. Now, for boxing, this is going to be points based. As we know, uh, the ranking system is largely going to be dependent on international tournaments. This is not great news for Bianco, as he joined the national team a bit late and was unable to uh, attend many international competitions over the last couple of years. Uh, he says of this, I was only able to compete in one tournament, and that tournament I went to isn't even part of the rankings. So while Bianco does hope that his rankings, his current rankings and standings will earn him an invite to compete at the Olympics, he's also prepared for the possibility that he may not. Uh, stating, I'm still kind of weighing my options and waiting to find out about the Olympics. But once that's finalized, if I'm not going, I'll have to start looking into the pro world and figure out who it is that I want to work with. So at this point in time, it's not looking particularly hopeful for uh, for Bianco. And he says, if it's, if it's, that's it, that's it. And we can look forward to some pro bouts, he's saying, within the next 12 months, he's hoping to get onto the pro circuit. But we lose another one. Uh, I was going to say, uh, you got a fire going on down there? Anyway, um, I was no, just going to uh, say, I mean, Queen Street. <laughs> he he and numerous other amateur boxers who don't have a hope in hell of hitting the podium uh, should be considering a pro career, but how are they going to do that? What are their next steps? It's not like there's agents, managers, promoters looking for new boxers who may or may not be qualified to go to the Olympics. 
Anyway, do you have other news? Well, I mean, I think this actually circles back around to what you were talking about uh, this past Sunday uh, on the special ev- special episode that uh, you ran with uh, Rob Gorey. And yeah. it comes down to how do you promote yourself? How do you take advantage of modern technology in order to promote yourself to make that jump from amateurs into the pros? Because a lot of the reason why we see these guys holding on as long as they do in order to hope to get an Olympic berth or to hope to get into, you know, the Commonwealth Games or a larger event where they're going to get more recognition where they're going to see themselves on camera more and these promoters these recruiters aren't there are going to get a chance to see them and the reason we don't see that is because you sure a lot of these guys would love to go pro the money's in going pro there's little to no money as we've explored in the past on the amateur side of things but without the promotion without money behind you without the right infrastructure behind you it's next to impossible to go pro and to actually make any money at it uh, I mean, Rob put out a great uh, statistic on Sunday saying, you know, what what, what was the percentage of uh, boxers making over $2 million a year? 0.001 or something. Exactly. Like something. It was, exactly. And then, you know, you, you know, if you get rid of the guys even making a million, it's, you know, 90 per, you know, 90% of the boxers are taking home 10% of the money uh, in the pro game. So it's all about how do you promote yourself? And that's where these large international uh, tournaments come into play. So, it's heartbreaking for these guys. You know, he, Bianco is a great fighter, and he's in a position where he probably could go pro uh, and do very well as a pro. But is he going to get the fights that he needs in order to actually progress as a professional fighter and actually make some money and make a career out of being a pro? comes down to his promoters and his team being able to get him the right fights, which are going to get him the right pay-per-views, which are going to, you know, yada, yada, yada. goes down the line. You know how this works. So... Is he going to go pro if he doesn't make it? Absolutely. Is he going to have an easier time going pro if he goes to the Olympics and podiums at the Olympics? Absolutely. Right. So, so yeah. how do we take advantage? I hear there's a website where uh, where boxers can upload their information. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone out there, a uh, boxer in the sport of boxing, just go to talkandfight.com and upload your profile. But it's interesting. And the fight difference footage. Between- and fight footage. Yes, and now you can upload fight footage, your own, uh, whether it's your uncle sitting there with his iPhone. Uh, go ahead. Uh, what the heck happened to your screen? Anyway, um, uh, was I was just, just uh, my light. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say the uh, the difference between the amateurs and the pros uh, in making that decision is this, in my humble opinion. At the amateur level, you don't really choose. There's no matchmaker sitting there choosing who you're going to fight. You know, you're going to a tournament and you're squaring off against the best of the best from other countries, okay? Mm-hmm. In your weight class, okay? In going, unless it's Rio. <laughs> but in the in the pro world, as we now know, there are such things as journeymen and or tomato cans who basically pad your uh, statistics to enable you to become that 10-0 fighter and to be then taken seriously by those in the industry. And there, I think, is the major difference between, hey, I'm an amateur, I may or may not go to the Olympics, I may or may not succeed, because I don't really know who I'm going to be fighting. I might lose, okay? Versus mm-hmm. going pro, and you can't fight every month. Uh, so you're only going to have, what, three or four fights? I mean, back in the old days, it was a lot different. But uh, due to parameters now, mainly health concerns, you've got three or four fights a year. So it's going to take him two or three years to get that 10 and 0 record he so desires in order to become that series contender 
even even if by then he's making money, which I doubt. Okay. Well, this so, is how how do you become you know how do you not become that guy who's just padding out somebody else's statistics? It's like yeah, you're a pro fighter, but you're just to your to your point, just padding out somebody else's statistics if you don't have the right team behind you. Right. And uh, I think uh, you know this is the balance between say the programs we have available in Canada and England versus those that are available in other developing nations, which may or may not match our uh, level of expectation in terms of professionalism. So are we well, it's able not to even just the professional? It's, it's money. It always comes back to money. It's, it's a matter of we can afford saying. to send our elite teams around the world to different tournaments. That's what I'm saying. So there's a level yeah. of professional administration that we have as a backbone that supports these amateur athletes. Um, you know, it's a whole different kettle of fish when you get into those professionals in the professional sport who are in it for the money. Mm -hmm. So they, they only want to cite, sign those fighters who they've already seen go through that ring, attain that level of 10 and 0, 12 and 0, of which nine were knockouts. I mean, do we ever look other than Mike uh, at knuckle <laughs> over knuckle up looking at who the heck they're fighting and how they got that, uh, 10 and 0 record, uh, you know, realistically, I'm telling you, I'm well. Good for him if he if he turns pro. Good for him, but good luck to him, is what I'm mm -hmm. saying. Uh, yeah, and uh, Big T makes a point, and I, I think we mentioned it earlier. Commonwealth Games would fall under the same category as one of these major international tournaments. Uh, things like the Commonwealth Games, things like uh, the Pan American Games, Southeast Asian Games, any of the major AIBA tournaments, world tournaments things of that nature. But those are the, these are where, you know, these are where these guys get their start before they go pro. And if you can meddle a whole bunch of times at these international tournaments, that's going to go a lot farther to getting you these pro fights when you do make that transition, or should I say pro fights, professional fights of consequence where you're not going, sorry, you fought who, who was that? Right. You know, and, and as with any other talent based industry, whether it be uh, music, film, fashion, there's not enough professional managers, agents, and promoters out there to support the number of trained uh, men and women who can transition from, let's say, the amateur, you know, I'm doing something I just love to do, to being paid to do it. To, 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 because again, I'm addressing comments uh, made by Big T. I mean, it's. It's easy to say, get a manager, get an agent, but these guys are ruthless when it comes to their decision-making process as to who they're gonna represent, who they're gonna spend their very valuable mm -hmm. time on. As we all know, in the talent-based industries, it's a pyramid-based structure. We pointed it out on Sunday. You've pointed it out again today. It's not gonna be easy for this young man to jump from, oh, I'm just gonna turn pro. Well, good luck to you, sir. Yeah, again, and he might win his next 10 fights, but they might be, you know, there might be no money in those fights whatsoever, you know, or right. very little in the purses, you know. This is what I'm saying. So big decision, big decision. So, yeah, yeah, well, so hopefully his ranking, hopefully his rankings carry him through to Tokyo. He's not off the table yet. Bianca's not all completely off the table yet. It's just, but we're waiting to find out what's going to happen with him. Uh, we haven't seen the entire card for North America, what that's going to look like as of yet, but we will let you know as soon as we have a finalized team for, uh, for here, as well as, you know, obviously our friends in uh, Great Britain, 
the Americans, the rest of them. You know, once we have some finalized uh, national teams, we'll be taking a closer look at who's going to be actually attending this tournament. A, a, a super good example would be the Nigerians. We we here at Talk and Fight get contacted by Nigerian boxers all the time, and they're telling us how great they are. Uh, but they don't have the same level of communication between the administrators in Nigeria and the administrators in other countries to set up those big bouts that, that they're entitled to. Well, in their opinion, they're entitled to. So, you know, there's a good example where you've got a huge nation, huge population, huge population of boxers, yet do they get the recognition they deserve? In their opinion, they don't get that recognition because they're, they, aren't, they aren't able to fight well with the exception of a couple of recent fights where we saw a couple of Nigerian boxers do, do incredibly well, who were featured on our knockout uh, episode on Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago. But anyway, I digress. This is supposed to be about the Olympics. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, we're getting a little bit off topic here. No, not really, but uh, that's it then. That's it for me. I'll shut up. No, and that just about does it for me today as well, Graham. Uh, well, Obviously, scan the headlines in the morning and see what we come up with. So, hopefully, something a little bit more, uh, a little bit more positive. Hopefully, uh, an announcement uh, saying that uh, Bianco is going to get his Olympic berth, and I'll keep you guys posted on that. Like I said, and uh, we'll go from there. It'll be interesting one day to see uh, if the answer me this: Is there a listing right now of qualified Olympic boxers who have that berth? Well, depends. I mean, in in Africa, yes. In Asia, Oceania, yes. Europe, no, because there's still theoretically a qualifier that's going to happen in Paris in June. And they're still tallying what's happening here in North America. So we haven't seen the final numbers for who's boxing from North America yet. So we haven't so seen the, we haven't seen the National Olympic Committees haven't all weighed in with their announcement as to who they're sending. So the IOC may have been in touch with uh, the Canadian Olympic Committee, for example, they haven't released their final numbers yet, if they have been in touch. I don't think those announcements have been made yet, though. All righty. Well, that wraps us up for today, then. Thank you. My goodness, the, the comments are coming in fast and furious. Thank you very much, guys. Um, have we addressed everything? I think so. I think we've addressed all your issues. And uh, thanks very much for the report, Christian. Appreciate it. Um, yep, uh, Big T, uh, Christian and I spent a lot of time in Ghana. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we, we wish that we, I think we pointed out, was it yesterday we were talking about Ghana or the day before? Uh, we mentioned that the Ghanaian national team is stepping up their uh, preparations and that they're going to be uh, training for four weeks uh, in June in Inawashiro, Japan, and the four-week lead-up to the national event. And they've already got Ghana. The Ghana team already has three uh, three qualified, and we're waiting on uh, – sorry, and hoping to qualify two more based on uh, based on their rankings. There was the first female looking to uh, qualify as well, and there was something – there was some weirdness going on there that I'm going to follow up with next week. No, I thought that was Uganda. All right. No, no, that was gone. All right, cool. Yeah. More to report on as we move forward. Thanks very much. Appreciate it, Christian. And thanks very much, good viewership, for uh, commenting. Appreciate it. And we'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk.